Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga Podcast. I'm Manu Feit, he's Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, I, I'm proposing Canada should end the monarchy right now because you got a holiday living in Scotland for the coronation of the king. I did not, but he's still on my coins. I, I, I think that's a shame. Absolute shame. <laughs> but how has the day off been? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sorry to hear that. I've made the most of my day off. Um, I'm sunburned. Uh, my legs hurt from a hike I did this morning with the dog and my wife. Um, and the only real downside is aside from the sunburn and the tiredness is that I also have hay fever so I apologize no. and I apologize <laughs> in advance um for people who if they hear me snottering or sniffing or god forbid sneezing down the microphone I'm sure I can probably deal with that in the post edit uh but despite all that my mood is still sky high because German football is just absolutely nuts right now we're talking about all these different things that we can't even talk about mm. in the show today It yeah. just feels like there's so many stories right now. Yeah, no, there's a ton going on. Um, and obviously, for this show, we are going to focus on the title race and the relegation battle because those things are incredibly insane. Um, we're also going to talk about the snails race to the European spots. Um, the crazy statistic is that from, what was it? I think from fourth place to ninth place, none of these teams actually won this weekend. Um mm. Yep. which is insane too right so um there's storylines at, at every place in the table at the moment with three games left and so we'll, we'll discuss all of that um and then we have some bigger topics that we also going to discuss of course everyone will have seen the uh, news regarding jude bellingham um everyone will have seen the news regarding her to berlin um there's another piece of info that kind of eludes me at the moment Anyways, what I was going to say, we're going to discuss all of that in the bonus shows this week, um, simply because we don't have time to cover it all in this main show. So subscribe, um, you know, these stories will all get covered in depth um, because that's what they deserve. Uh, we want to get them right. So um, subscribe um, and we'll mostly stay on the, the match day results and we should probably dive right into it after this break. This episode of the Gegenpressing Podcast is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, Right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today 
or use your mobile device to get in on the action, be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is B-L-E-A-V for 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. So yeah, Stefan, um, let's start at the top. I feel like that is the best place to start. Um, mm. Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund both win. Um, you know, the title race stays extremely tight. Um, Bayern now on 65 points, Dortmund now on 64 points. Um, we're now in the situation that, and Dortmund have lamenting this a little bit, right? That Bayern now tend to play first and Dortmund then have to react. Um, mm. I think this week they did it in fabulous uh, fashion, right? I want to get to the Bayern game as well because I think there's a lot of talking points here. But Dortmund um, smash Werder Bremen, uh, sorry, not Werder Bremen, right color, wrong club, Wolfsburg, <laughs> um, 6 0. And I think when you look at this game and the way it unfolded, um, the XG in the end was 5.00 to 1.68. So, you know, this is about as deserved of a 6-0 win as you can get for Dortmund. I think um, the, the fashion and way they responded to a huge disappointing result um, at Bochum was very impressive and but you made this really interesting point in our whatsapp chat <laughs> that i want to get to because you said they always respond well but they never learn from their poor results um <laughs> i feel like that's kind of correct <laughs> yeah i think i said they always respond but they never learn um <laughs> and look you know this this was obviously an incredible result um mm. Up against a really impressive Wolfsburg side. Um, yeah. You know, this was actually my game of the week in the previous show. I thought it was going to be much closer because Wolfsburg have been better recently. Yeah. Um, but Dortmund have, um, for most of the season, just been really, really impressive at home. Uh, I think I'm right in saying going into this game, they were averaging three goals per game. Mm-hmm. Um comfortably got the best home record in division. Uh, they've picked up five more points in Bayern Munich f- uh, from home. Um, and, you know, this is something that Terzic has spoke about throughout much of the season, that, you know, he's trying to re... He's trying to get that lightning in a bo- bottle um, that Jurgen Klopp once had at the club, where yeah. you know, the Westfalen Stadion was a real... It was a real kind of cauldron. Um, clubs hated going there. And you'd have to say he's done a tremendous job of doing that this season with Dortmund. Uh, and at home, they're really capable of beating anyone. Um, and like when we were talking about the kind of run-ins that both they and Bayern have, this was a couple of weeks ago, but I was saying that I think what's quite crucial for Dortmund is they do have some tricky home games. This Wolfsburg game was one of them, I thought, uh, on mm. paper. They've got Gladbach and Mainz as well. And... I mean, on their day, Mainz and Gladbach are both capable of beating Dortmund, but at home, and the way this team have been playing at home in front of their own fans this season, uh, you'd really put your money on Dortmund to comfortably win both those games. And that's a huge strength that the club have managed to garner this season. Uh, but the reason I say they they, re- they respond but never learn is because, you know, 
the reason that Dortmund are behind Bayern and not no longer in front of them is because they continue to slip up away from home. Um, and it's why when they put up these big numbers at home, it only goes some way to kind of um, responding to the issues which are and remain the, for, the club's form uh, on the road. But it was a great game. Uh, you know, once again... Adeyemi and Daniel Malin kind of really standing out uh, mm. for the, the impressive form in 2023. Um, they really have been like a shot of adrenaline into this Dortmund team in the last kind of couple of months. Uh, I thought Adeyemi was unplayable in the way he was leaping for headers and setting up balls. Um, but you know, it was a really impressive result. Um, it gets the fans back inside. It gets Terzic smiling. Um, but I think if I was a Dortmund fan, I'd have that away game in Augsburg circled in the calendar and saying, if we were going to if we're going to drop points between now and the end of the season, I still think it's that Augsburg game. Yeah, no, I I think I agree with you there. Um, I think that both the title contenders have another another wobble in them, um, and I think. A potential wobble in them i'm not saying it's going to happen i said potential wobble um mm. and i think that is both these teams have a potential you know wobble circled in their calendar i think uh, for bayern munich it is um leipzig on match day 33 right um mm. we, we need points to to reach the champions league um it was a big result for them this weekend of course but they still they will probably need a win to be sure um at least a draw um, and I think Leipzig, they are one of those sides that do like to take points at the Allianz Arena. Um, and then Dortmund is the, the Augsburg game. And I think, too, the problem for Dortmund is, too, they don't have, they they lost control over the situation because of the the Bochum result. And you look back to that Bochum result now and you just think, Wow, that that might be the one that will ultimately cost them the title. I mean, of course, there was also the Stuttgart result, the Werder result, right? Like, there's so many of them. But um, you go to that Bochum result, and you think, you know, like you should probably scored three, four goals in that game, and you didn't, uh, penalty or not. And I think that's ultimately what it could come down to. Um, and I think that is something. If I was a Dortmund fan, I'd be really frustrated with um, because it feels like an opportunity lost if it does come down to the fact that bo- both teams win all three games and then you're essentially losing out on the title by one point. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think you can be as good as you want as Dortmund right now, but Bayern might just win it uh, by winning all the last three games, 1-0 or 2-1 or, you know... <laughs> Um, because they were not impressive at all um, against Werder Bremen and Stefan. And I think that, you know, this Bayern Munich side is extremely beatable at the moment. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Werder Bremen had a great chance to open the scoring, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we, talk, we talked about this kind of on the, on the main show, actually, in terms of how Bremen kind of finished the season now that, you know, obviously Fulkrug... Um, remains injured and where they'd really struggle um, and I thought they actually gave a pretty good account of themselves yeah. for the most part you know um, there is a kind of fear that Bremen might actually get dragged back into this relegation race because they've got a really tough running uh, between now and the end of the season but 
if they kind of perform like they did against Bayern, then you know they, they should be absolutely fine. But it, it, it's, it, I mean, this is a fixture that historically has really, sh- you know, <laughs> drilled up um, unexpected results. I think Bayern are now what fifteen years since they lost to Bremen. Mm-hmm. Um, which goes some way to, you know, not only explaining the way that Bremen have kind of diminished as a kind of power in German football, but also just the way that, you know, Bayern have always seemed to have the number. Um, but the but the performance from Bayern was again um, quite underwhelming. We have yeah. um, on the Substack app on our, on our on our page as well. Uh, we made a thread for this match day, and we had a lot of Bayern fans kind of commenting saying how underwhelming the result was and. I think you can maybe pick out some individual performances. You know, I thought Kimmich was okay. Um, and I thought it was quite interesting that Gnabry, again, was the guy who got that kind of, not all-important goal, but he stepped up and got a goal, uh, yeah. as he has been kind of playing as that kind of false number nine. Um, and so, you know, and you could see from like the reactions as well that Tuchel was just delighted at just picking up three points. But, mm-hmm. you know, again... You know, to kind of maybe draw a parallel with Dortmund in the sense that you know um, we can't maybe read too much into positive results when there are question marks over this team. These mm-hmm. last two games, like this result against a Bremen team or a club that haven't beaten Bayern in fifteen years, and the one prior against Hertha Berlin, who were dead last in the league table, and you know, really up shit's creek without a paddle, if you'll excuse my French. Um, <laughs> These aren't the kind of opponents that Bayern are testing themselves against. And these aren't the kind of opponents that are testing Bayern. And, you know, we've talked about this. And um, I was on, uh, I was actually on Indian TV earlier on uh, Sony Studios TV doing the kind of Bundesliga stuff with them. And I was chatting before the game, one of the producers was in my ear and he said, Stefan, do you think, would it be fair to say that Dortmund have the tougher run in between now and end the season? And I was like, nope no chance because Bayern still have to play Schalke and he still have yep. to play Leipzig. And I feel like Schalke, but more importantly, Leipzig um, are a completely different level from the Hertha and Bremen teams that although lost actually still managed to cause some problems to this Bayern Munich team. So, I mean, at the end of the day, Bayern can only beat what's in front of them every weekend, but I think they're going to face tougher tests in the coming weeks. It'll be interesting to see if they can step up when they come. I think what's really interesting, and I think this is like a parallel that you can draw to um, Bayern Munich's uh, recent runs in the DFB Pokal, right, where they have really struggled. Hmm. Um, And that's, I think, where proponents of this wanting to be an exciting Bundesliga title race with maybe someone else winning it um, can draw some hope from. Because what we essentially are in now is almost like a playoff format, right? and both teams are essentially in a situation where they have to win every game. But in Bayern Munich's case, they're also in a situation where they have to win games against teams that need to win as well. And Schalke, let's say this game happens match day, I don't know, 23-24, you know, and they're sort of in the same situation that they're in now. Um, points and like uh, place wise, right? Not points wise, but place wise. It's a little bit of a different scenario because um, it doesn't feel like a final. But mm. for Schalke, this will feel like the knockout stage game of a DFB Pokal match in the semi final, where 
you have a chance to, you know, reach the final and because like they need those three points or at least mm. a point to stay alive in the Bundesliga, right? And I think recent years have shown that Bayern Munich struggle in those kind of situations, um, which is, I think, a really interesting um, development, right? They lost to Gladbach, someone like Gladbach in the DFB-Pokal. They lost to Holstein-Kiel in the DFB-Pokal. Um, this year, I'm trying to remember who knocked them actually out, ultimately. <laughs> this season? Yeah. Uh, Gladbach? Was it? No. Was it? No. Freiburg. Um, oh, Freiburg. yeah. Sorry, apologies. Yeah. Freiburg, which is, you know, and I think that is, that makes this really interesting because like this is a do, do or die moment for both these teams involved. And I think there's a very realistic scenario here where Schalke not necessarily win, but they, they don't need to win for Dortmund to overtake Ryan. They just need the point, which of course Schalke mm. fans are going to roll their eyes so badly now because um, they're in a situation where they need to get a result and that result will probably help Dortmund win the title. <laughs> it's just like, that, that's a, that's a catch-22 right there. <laughs> But I think that makes it really interesting in the run-in, right? Um, mm. Dortmund don't face an opponent like that in the run-in. Um, that doesn't mean they're not going to drop points because they're still ultimately Borussia Dortmund, but they don't face a team like that anymore, right? All the teams that they're facing are more or less in the mushy middle and don't have much hope left. Um, so I think that makes it really fascinating. And then in Bayern, of course, once they pass the hurdle that is Schalke, then they have the same scenario only against a way better team in RB Leipzig, mm. right? A team that isn't playing for survival, but they are playing for Champions League football, which is something that, that a whole RB model is standing for, right? And they need to be back in that competition just to allow the roster construction and FFP for compliance and all those sort of things um, to stay in tune with that. And so... You know, that is two must, that's two games against teams that have must win scenarios. And mm. I think that makes this very tricky. Yeah. I mean, I think the kind of proof is in the pudding as well with regards mm -hmm. to the kind of overall vibe at Bayern right now, because following the game, you know, Tuchel is asked questions about why Thomas Muller isn't playing. And there's stories coming out about whether Oliver Kahn's going get, to get sacked and even like, yeah. you know, Seth Meyer, I think, had to come out and he's he's made a big song and dance. Who is Seth how... Meyer? He's like in his eighties and he has to like come out and defend Oliver Kahn. <laughs> yeah, and he, you know he's he basically came out and said, look, before you sack Oliver Kahn, you should look elsewhere at the club for problems that you know. And he's absolutely right in the sense that yeah. it's not going to be Oliver Kahn who's making or breaking this Bayern team right now. But you know. If Bayern were back on track, if they were playing well, if they were beating teams and everyone was confident that they were going to get over the line without mm. much concern, then these stories would just evaporate. You know, they wouldn't be a big issue and we'd all be talking about how great it is that Serge Gnabry scoring goals again or Roussial yeah. looks back to his best or Kimmich is finally pulling in the assist and things. Um, but we're not. We're not not us specifically. I mean, the Royal, not the Royal we or whatever, but it's, it's the fact that the kind of media circus around Bayern is still in full flow because fundamentally fans aren't convinced by these performances and that's where that's where everything kind of breeds from. So we'll have to just kind of wait and see what happens, um, you know, in terms of these last couple of games. But 
I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in terms of you know how Bayern approach these games, how they how they play, and ultimately whether they do drop points. But at the end of the day, Bayern could drop points, and there's just absolutely no guarantee that Dortmund will be there to take advantage of it. So mm. it will be it would be a pretty. I think it'd be quite a fitting end to the season if Bayern lost to Leipzig and then Dortmund lost in the last day or something like that, you know, to kind of slip up in the in the, in the title race because so, I think that would sum that would sum up both teams perfectly. I think. I don't think Dortmund would lose on the last day of the season if. Uh, okay, never mind. I'm not going there. Um, <laughs> I was going to make a really big statement here, and then I realized I probably shouldn't because that I will eat my words. Um, <laughs> what I do think is really interesting because Bayern Munich is the circus, right? And um, mm-hmm. we have the transfer show tomorrow, so we we want to talk about. We're going to touch on Bellingham some more then. But it's also, I find it very interesting that, um, and I alluded to that on Twitter, um, that these Jude Bellingham rumors are coming out when they are coming out and the way they're coming out. And uh, I think it was David Ornstein who wrote for The Athletic, right, saying that, oh, Man City feel like they do, Real Madrid are leaking all this stuff right now because, well, basically this is them you know, using tactics to unhinge Man City before um, their must-win games in the semi-final of the Champions League. And I was like, I was thinking to myself when I saw those build reports today that Bellingham might not renew. Hmm. We all know Build and Bayern Munich are like super tight, like super tight. Um, they, it, build and Dortmund are not. Um, I think there was even a time where you couldn't even access Bill's main homepage using the Borussia Dortmund Wi-Fi at the stadium, right? <laughs> so they're, they're not friends. Um, but Bayern Munich and Bill, that, that's a recorded history that dates back to the 1990s under Uli Hoeneß. Mm. And this bombshell drops today with, you know, claiming that Bellingham will not renew his contract. I'd be, I'd be careful with reports like that until they actually get confirmed, right? But... Mm. There's a reason that's coming out, Stefan. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it kind of suggests that Bayern are getting a bit worried. <laughs> but <laughs> and they yeah, would know, know they would know about Bellingham status because they, you know, for a while were in it. And we like you talk to the right people, you know, the the, the football business is so small. Like Bayern, the, the officials at Bayern Munich will know what Bellingham status is. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I think it's it's just kind of quite interesting. I mean, it's interesting, as you said, the timing and, you know, the nature of these stories that come out. And, you know, we talk about the circus around Bayern Munich, but there's obviously a circus around Dortmund as well. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the way that the club blew up after that last defeat or the, actually the draw against Bochum, as I wrote my newsletter you know about whether Dortmund actually deserved to win the title and all your mentions still good <laughs> I know I was going to say seemed to rough seemed to ruffle a few feathers with people who didn't even bother to read the article but I guess that's just Twitter and the, the age that we live in uh, but I mean one of the points I made in that was like the, the just the hilarious way that the club responded to that through mm. the media and you know, it's it's been much the same. Sebastian Kell was complaining this weekend, as you said, about you know, Dortmund always having to play, yeah. always having to play after Bayern, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, 
But yeah, when it comes to Bellingham, I mean, we we talk about this all the time because we're obviously taking notes about what's talk about in the transfer roundup show, and we were discussing yeah. the story, and we're like, we we can't just keep doing a weekly Bellingham update, <laughs> you know, because like <laughs> it's just it's 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 boring to begin with, and you never actually know if anything's changing, you know, yeah. so. I don't think the players that fussed about it. I'm hoping Dortmund fans aren't getting too locked into it. Um, and you you would hope that it doesn't derail anything on the pitch because, you know, if if, if Dortmund are to win the title or if they're to come up short, it should be because of the football that was played rather than kind of noise outside the club. Well, you know, like I, I just remember that when Bayern Munich played Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League uh, final um, uh, in London, in 2013, it was conveniently leaked like the week before that <laughs> Mario Götze was going to join Bayern. Um, <laughs> just saying, there's a history here. Um, Bellingham made that motion with his hands after scoring his second goal, the blah blah motion. Hmm. Um, to which my response is, if Bellingham doesn't like all the stuff in the media, then he should maybe shut it down. Mm. He has that power, you know. Um, yeah, it, it, it was the same with Erling Haaland. You know, like it was yeah. constant speculation every week, but he also refused to tell fans. And th- and this is the thing: like, I totally understand that players must hate that there's constant stories and the journalists are constantly harassing them. And yeah. you know, for people who obviously, I mean, most listeners probably won't know how it works, but in Germany, after a Bundesliga game, the players walk through a mix zone and journalists. More often than not, it sounds like they're kind of shouting at them to try and get their attention, to get them to come speak to them. And, you know, that's when you kind of see the photos of the players walking to the buses and the coaches with their big headphones on because they have to kind of block that out, not make eye contact, walk out. And some players enjoy it. You know, Thomas Muller happily swans out and he's he's the well, darling of the of the media it because... Depends. Well, uh, yeah, if there were lots of yeah. stories avoiding the media, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but and that's but that's what I mean. Like, if 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 it's going well, they're happy to speak. Yeah. But when it comes to transfer stories, like players are obviously taught uh, at a certain level how to speak to the media, how not to answer questions. But at the end of the day, the media are only asking these questions so that fans can get the answers, you know. And if Jude Bellingham or Erling Haaland before him didn't want any media speculation. All they had to say was, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to sign a new contract and I'm going to stay here. Or, no, I'm not going to sign a new contract and I'm going to look at my options in the summer. Yeah. That's, it's, it, it, it's just two, it's, it's two simple answers that would quite happily put to bed millions of articles uh, that get pumped out every week um, mm-hmm. about these players. So, yeah. I remember when um, I was in Dortmund around the time when Yusufu Mokuku was in contract negotiations with them. And um, he was made available in the mixed zone. And because he was underaged at the time, there was an adult standing with him, right? Sort of checking the answers and the questions. And I said, like, I remember saying, oh, I have one additional question. And his minder, (laughs) she was, you should have seen her worried face when I said, she's like, what exactly do you want to ask them? Like I right away said, it's not about his contract and the relief on her face, Stefan. <laughs> but I mentioned it. It was something completely trivial. I think I wrote a newsletter about um, Dortmund scoring or something like that, and it ended up in actually one of the gig pressing Substack newsletters, right? But 
Um, mm. It had nothing to do with his contract situation. A, because I knew he wasn't going to answer. And B, I think that poor lady would have had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it like we said at the top of the show, German football right now is just absolutely nuts. And there's so many stories yeah. and it and it's really entertaining. So yeah. long may it conti- long may continue. Long may it continue. And we should talk about the relegation race. Um you know, we did mention that the, the Bundesliga table is insane. Leipzig are now in, in third. Um, and, man, yeah, as you said, there's so much. But I do want to maybe move the attention to the relegation race because it's it's so crazily insane at the moment. Mm. Um, and you look at the results this weekend. Schalke with a massive last-minute win. A controversial penalty um, that I think... I need to restudy the laws of the games to actually fully understand what happened here. Um, mm. You watched this game, so maybe I'll let you try to talk through this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> Do you know what? Um, we had um, a few of our subscribers kind of talking th- through this game, and I have mm. to agree with Andy, who said this was potentially the best game he's watched all year. And I have to agree with him. I thought this game was outstanding. Um I walked away from it thinking, and I, I try to do this from time to time when I'm trying to think, like, right, right, how good were each team really, especially in these kind of um, tight matches. And I kind of came to the conclusion that if you'd made someone sit down who's never watched German football before, know nothing about Mainz, know nothing about Schalke, their history, tradition, whatever, yeah. and you sat them down and asked them to watch this game and then to maybe, like, get a pin and, you know, put on the on a on a table where they think these teams play. I really think they'd probably think Schalke were like a top half table team, uh, a top team pushing for Europe, and they'd probably think Mainz were like a mid table team, mm. maybe fighting relegation. Because because I felt like for most of this game, Schalke were actually in control, you know, and you know they they racked up a really decent XG of three point zero three to Mainz's one point nine four, which I get. That that suggests is a pretty even match, but it just felt to me like the thing that really impressed me about Schalke in this game was that whereas Mainz's goals were maybe kind of moments of magic from individual players, Schalke just routinely attacked with this really cohesive counter-attacking system. All the players are playing so well off each other. They're all passing precisely. They all know where they have to be, where they have to stand, mm. how they pl- how to play. And they're just this really well-oiled machine. Um, and they were definitely good for a goal, for a draw at the very least. I thought they were good for um, all three points, to be honest, because I'm not mistaken. They hit the crossbar or the bar at least once, maybe twice. Um, and that penalty decision was really interesting so for anyone who hasn't watched the game i will try and explain it um and i'm trying to remember um who who was who was who was tackling who and slide tackling but basically what happened was a cross came in from the right hand side the Mainz defender heads it clear but he heads it straight up so it's a loose ball in there the Mainz goalkeeper goes to collect it very comfortably unopposed and the game goes on. Schalke players in the meantime are just blowing a casket, running up to referees saying it's a penalty. And then it isn't until you watch the replay and you realise that the Schalke player at the back post is getting his shirt pulled and it's stopping him from 
you know, running into the six-yard box to compete for the ball. Now, the weird thing is, and I think actually, um, if I'm not mistaken, actually the Mainz, um, the Mainz head coach, um, um, Svensson, actually was screaming in this at the, at the time, like on the sideline saying, it shouldn't matter because even if the Schalke player wasn't being impeded, he can't really, he can't really, he can't really, you know, compete with the goalkeeper for a high ball because as we know in the modern game, that's just not really how it works. And, you know, and I kind of agree with them there, but at the end of the day, it was a really blatant shirt pull in the box. So it was almost like a penalty on a technicality, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I feel like it wasn't the worst call in the world, but I can understand why Mainz... It's, it's basically like an off-the-ball foul. Uh, well, it, it it literally was an off-the-ball off the, off the, off the foul, um, which I do feel like at times some penalty decisions... Um, although correct, it seems odd that it results in the opposing team then getting a a, a chance to score a goal that is like eighty percent certain to go in. Um, maybe like an indirect free kick in the box or something would actually be a more appropriate, um, you know, penalty for these things. But I don't know. What what did you think of the game? Oh, um, so I, I made a huge mistake and I watched the Rhein derby instead. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean you, you mean the Rhine Derby? That's only a Rhine Derby if Cologne yeah, wins. Cologne won, so it is a Rhine Derby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I was really interesting to follow the fallout of this, and I think um, if I'm not mistaken, um, the referee actually um, Yolterbeck was the VR referee took to Twitter to to, to actually explain his decision to. Um, award a penalty and he broke it down quite well just trying to find the threat here live because a friend of mine actually tweeted it out um it's too mm. bad chris is on the road this week because he could break this down really well for us but mm. um essentially um here yeah, i found it perfect um Okay, so he went through it and he, he thinks that um, the reason why the referee decided, and you're right, like the, the goalkeeper situation is, and this is what Bo Svensson is arguing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is because Bilter isn't even given the chance to go into an aerial duel with the goalkeeper, um, mm-hmm. which is enough because you don't know. Maybe he drops the ball or whatever, right? Um, mm-hmm. You can describe that as a technicality, but... Um, according to the laws of the games, he should be allowed to challenge for a ball mm. just in case that results into a goal-scoring opportunity, right? Which is mm. why in when you go by um, the EFAT laws, laws of the game, on a technicality, that's a penalty. Um, and he describes it quite... He, I'm paraphrasing because this is in German, right? Um, mm. But I think that is actually quite interesting. And I actually also applaud them to say, look, here's why we made the decision um live with it <laughs> um but you know what like that actually asked like that brings up a completely different point about these kind of situations i'm trying to remember where i saw this um they are thinking of doing a test phase where referees actually explain the decisions on the field mm-hmm. um which i think is not a bad idea and i also wonder um and this is being discussed quite a bit, right? Because of the uh, backlash of the Adeyemi 
uh, situation of the Bochum game, whether mm. the coaches should get a coach's challenge. Now, they have this in hockey, in ice hockey, mm. uh, in the NHL. And it is, I, I personally think it's a good system. I, I think the only thing that needs to come up in the NHL, if you challenge a play and you get it wrong, your team gets a two-minute penalty. So mm. I wonder what your penalty would be if you throw up a coach's challenge and you get it wrong. Um, mm. So, and that also leads to the situation that in the NHL, they have like at every game, the now the coaching staff, they just have a guy with an iPad on the bench watching every goal. And then that person essentially, so he's the, he's the video, um, the official video assistant to the head coach. Mm. He then goes to the head coach and says, I think that was offside. Or I think there was like an illegal play in the build-up. We should challenge. Mm. Um, yeah. And they actually get it. I would say their success rate is about 70 to 80%, um, mm. which is crazy, right? That's really high. But I guess because, you know, you get it wrong, uh, you give the other team a 25% goal scoring chance. You don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> um, so I kind of wonder like how they would implement this in soccer, but I do like the idea quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. Because I feel like one of the big issues is that they only go to VR if the referee deems it to be an issue yeah. or if he, if he makes a call. But if the referee misses it and VR don't uh, bring it up, then it just kind of gets, it just goes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I think it's a good idea too. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> changes and amendments to, and, you know, all sorts of changes to VR is something that we could spend multiple episodes on. Um, so, yeah. I d- I mean, I just before we do kind of wrap up on Schalke and maybe talk about some of the other teams in the league, I do just kind of want to make this point that this is the first time that Schalke have stepped, been outside the bottom three since Thomas Rice came to the club. Mm. It's the first time since October 2nd, I think, that they've been outside the top three. And, you know, I actually checked, you know, how the performances under the head coach, where they rank and... You know, I know these tables are all hypothetical and maybe they don't mean much, but I think it's quite illustrative that if the Bundesliga season had started when Thomas Rice took over at Schalke, Schalke would currently be sitting ninth in the table right now. Wow. And they would only be three points behind Mainz. Yeah. You know, uh, they'd only be nine points behind Union Berlin. And, you know, you can argue like, yeah, well, some of these clubs had good starts and didn't do so well or vice versa. And yeah, you're absolutely right, but... I think we just, maybe I'm just kind of getting really caught up in the whole Schalke fever thing. So, as I've said on multiple shows now, I do find myself just cheering them on every week because, and it's because when you do look at the underlying numbers, you realize that they are putting in the hard work. Mm. They're kind of, they are kind of grinding out results. And if they do end up getting relegated this season, it would have been because of what had come before Rice stepped in, you know, the sins of the father sort of thing, in the sense that since he stepped in, he and this team have basically done all they can. They've I mean they've obviously made mistakes, they've 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 um dropped points, but they've more or less haven't put a foot wrong in terms of the performances they should have put in to, you know, move up to the tables. So they've done well in that game. I feel like this is a must win game because they now have Bayern next mm. week. Um and it also kind of, it was almost like a double whammy for them or, 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 or a double point system, whatever you want to call it, in the sense that both Stuttgart and Bochum lost. And yeah. it now means they've got a two-point cushion. But 
you then look at the kind of fixtures that are coming up this weekend in the sense that while Schalke have to go to Munich, um, you know, Bochum um, have Augsburg at home, Stuttgart have a Bayer Leverkusen team at home who will probably be quite tired from the Europa League semi-final. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even Hertha might take off take points off Cologne, who they travel to as well on the Friday night. So there's a good chance that you know Schalke could lose this weekend and then those three teams below them could all win and we're once again kind of back in square one. But that just kind of goes to show... It goes to show, as we've talked about on the show, how incredible the bottom half of the table has been this season. Um and the fact that Schalke have been doing so well and yet they're only just kind of getting their head above the surface here and, you know, staying afloat. So it's mm. it's it's it, it it's it I just think the bottom half of the table has just been so fascinating this season. It's not just Schalke, it's the way the Stuttgart have turned things around, it's yeah. the way the Hoffenheim have turned things. We talked about Bremen, um and you know I mean, there's there's just so much going on, and we're actually going to hopefully do a bonus show on Hertha Berlin this week. So, you know, there's so much to talk about. Yeah, Hertha's a really complicated one. Of course, they get a massive win against Stuttgart, right, which technically keeps them alive. Um, I wouldn't mm. harbor too much hope if I was a Hertha fan, but it keeps them alive. Um, it also means that Stuttgart now have have to worry. Um, well, I mean, they, they will have had to worry until the end of the season, anyways. Hoffenheim beat Frankfurt. Uh, mm. which is the other storyline that escaped me at the beginning of the show when I said we're going to cover that more in depth because it, by the time we're recording this, there has been discussions between uh, Markus Krösche and Oliver Glasner, right? Um, mm. The sporting director and the head coach about the future of Oliver Glasner at Frankfurt. And it is looking like a divorce. Um, I think the only question that we have, and again, you know, um, because this is a developing story, we don't want to record something on Glasner right now and then find ourselves tomorrow to be outdated. So it's going in the transfer show as it should. Um, yeah, I'll I'll also be doing my newsletter on yeah, Frankfurt exactly. this week. So, so I'll do a kind of I'm going to do a big breakdown as to like you know why yeah. things have fallen apart, why they've been so terrible in 2023, uh, mm-hmm. and why Glasner's now looking likely to lose his job. So. If you're not yeah. subscribed, I'd obviously encourage you to pick up on that as well. Yeah, I mean, I have something more to say about that tomorrow, but I'm not even sure this is a loss of job rather than a mutual divorce because I think he was mm. going to leave anyways. But like, we're going... A, con- a conscious don't... uncoupling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it. Um, and I think it's been going on for a while. But we're going to have more on that in your newsletter and then of course we also once we have because again this might all be outdated um otherwise um if we discuss it now but of course you know the the press conference made headlines um about Hasebe pissing blood because he's using him over and over again which i you can sort of blame glasner for um i think but you know here we are um, but hoffenheim with a massive result um and then of course hertha with this big result and hertha are such a mess of a club as well because of the issues that are going on with 7-7 partners, right? The licensing, um, this, that's an unfolding story as well. So unfortunately, that's also getting packed into a later week show <laughs> because uh, we don't want to be outdated so quickly. But Stefan, like this relegation race is just so crazy because now mm. you have Bochum back in the relega- relegation spot, right? Um, they, of course, um, drop points to Gladbach, which... A little bit unexpected. Um, so it's just, it's been just not, such not a messy you, weekend. Not unexpected if you listen to me uh, yes, on the on the previous right. show. 
<laughs> you had a good weekend, I think. Um, Schalke messed yeah, up really badly know, for me. I noticed you were all over Twitter saying our predictions were terrible this weekend. I was like, hold on a minute. Don't throw me in with your dreadful predictions. No, I think I still got enough for a lead because I got a couple of spot on. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm brought it down to about 15 points. So it's it's still up for grabs. Ooh, it's like almost as close as the Meisterrennen. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll be having prediction shows. <laughs> the, the prediction show later this week. Um, I lost my thread here. So the relegation battle. Um mm-hmm. It's just so interesting because do we think that like someone like Hoffenheim has enough now to kind of relax a little bit? Or is this just a matter of next week, the results all going a completely different way again, and even Augsburg could be drawn back into it? Well, we talked about this a few weeks ago in terms of, you know, how tight the bottom half of the table has been. And I do feel like a large part of that is due to the fact that you look at those teams like fourth to right down to 10th, you know, the likes of mm-hmm. Union Berlin, uh, um, Freiburg, uh, obviously Bayer Leverkusen are kind of playing hot and cold right now because they're prioritising the Europa League. Um, Wolfsburg, not so much maybe. Mainz definitely dropping off. Frankfurt, hugely dropping off. And then as we kind of talked in the preview show, you know, Gladbach's kind of home and away form has been quite Jekyll and Heidi uh, in terms of, you know, being hot and cold. And, you know, if you actually look across the last 10 match days in the Bundesliga, Union Berlin are in the bottom uh, 10, Gladbach in the bottom 10, and Frankfurt are bottom, you know. So mm. I think that, I think the reason that, you know, if you look at the kind of results from this weekend, um, four of the bottom six won. And, you yeah. know, we're talking about Augsburg against Union Berlin, Hoffenheim against Frankfurt, Schalke against Mainz. Hertha, I mean, Hertha beats Stuttgart, I suppose that's not a good example. But mm. the, point ma- the point I'm trying to make here is that that the, the kind of runners up in the top half um, are all extremely exhausted, or they're running out of steam, or they've just frankly given up because they've got nothing left to play for. And you've kind of got five or six teams in the bottom half of the table that are just clawing back so many points right now. Yeah. And it mean and it means a couple of weeks ago you would have said Hoffenheim are safe, but now they're only two points above Schalke. You know, so. I think that's I think that's the fundamental issue here that and it's not a bad issue, it's a nice idea, it's a great thing that but the likes of Stuttgart, Hoffenheim, Schalke, um, even Bochum, they can pick up points off just about anyone most weeks right now. Mm. And it means and it means that they do, and it means that there's just it's just impossible to kind of really except maybe Hertha Billen, it's really impossible to just kind of put someone in that bottom three and keep them there. Yeah, I mean, but even Hertha could beat Köln on on Friday and then we're sitting here and our idea that Hertha are 100% relegated is gone. Although they might be screwed either way because of the financial situation. But um, yeah, it's it's been wild. Um, so yeah, I guess long may continue or at least until the very end, which is three weeks from now. And then it will, of course, add another week or 10 days to it because we have the relegation playoffs, um, <laughs> which uh, I always describe as 180 minutes of fear if you're one of the teams involved. Um, but yeah, Stefan, it's been a fun, exciting match day. Um, so yeah, as I said, programming notes this week. We'll have the transfer show where we discuss a lot of the topics that are currently developing. 
Um, I guess we have to decide. Well, once they... We have to decide what we do with Leverkusen. I think that the idea here is we're going to do a special on this when, if they make it to the final, right? Um, mm. I think that is the better idea here. Uh, but we'll see. So stay tuned. Um, the regular shows are coming and um, it is super exciting this year. As always, this show is brought to you by Bet Online. Can't mention, can't forget the sponsors. And any final thoughts before we wrap this up? No, just as always, thanks everyone who has subscribed and took part in the match day thread over the weekend. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you guys do want more info on Hertha Berlin, you know Frankfurt and other stuff we're doing this weekend or this week, then do check out our subscription options and maybe take a look and subscribe. Yeah, totally. Um, really interesting stuff happening. And um, also, I I talked to Danny Da Costa from Mainz um, last week, so that's still coming as well on the Substack. So uh, stay tuned for that. That's it from us this week. Um, we'll be back later this week. Until then, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.